0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, you're listening to Beyond the Ballot Box with me, Dashran Johan. Global communications firm Edelman recently released their annual trust barometer. The trust barometer measures the level of trust and credibility that people have in various institutions such as governments, businesses, media and NGOs. Unsurprisingly, the survey found that Malaysians, like the rest of the globe, are highly worried about their economic future, climate crisis and even war. But what's fascinating about the results is that Malaysians seem to place their trust in businesses a lot. A fascinating contradiction, if you ask me. So joining me on the show to unpack the survey is Christopher D. Cruz. He's the Chief Operating Officer at Edelman, Malaysia and Head of Crisis of Edelman, Southeast Asia. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. I would like to start this conversation by just asking you, what is the Edelman Trust Barometer all about? What do you seek to find out and how was the study conducted? Thanks, Dashan. Um So, the Edelman Trust Barometer
1: is a study that measures trust in four key institutions. Uh, we measure trust in government, media, businesses and NGOs. We've been doing this for over 20 years now and in Malaysia, this is going to be our 12th year. Um, we... Across 28 countries, we surveyed about 32,000 respondents. In Malaysia, we surveyed approximately 1,200 respondents. Uh, In over two decades of research globally, we have documented many trends in trust uh, and aim to distill central central themes throughout the year. And some of these themes in previous years uh, are information, transparency, misinformation. And these to have led to uh, the inquiry this year, which is the economic pessimism leading to
0: potential polarisation. Right. And indeed, um, that seems to be the theme of this year's Trust Barometer, right? Navigating a polarised world. Um, why, Chris? What's the significant about global politics at this juncture? How polarised are we? Why
1: are we polarised? So several forces uh, happening in the world today uh, that has given rise to anxiety about the economy, imbalance between major institutions of business, government, media and NGOs, a mass class wealth gap and a battle for truth in an age of disinformation. So we see how these macro pressures manifest at an individual level in a set of fears ranging from inflation to nuclear war. And these uh, fears sit on top of pre-existing worries about job losses to automation and the impact of climate change. Uh, Economies around the world are collapsing, leading towards inequalities which are income-based. And this affects levels of trust where we see people in the top quartile of income living in a different trust reality than those in the bottom quartile. And these intensified economic and social differences have led to an environment of what we call creeping polarisation. Right. And what are the most polarised countries in the world right now? So, right now, we see uh, countries in three different uh, quartiles, right? Uh, Severely polarised, polarised, moderately polarised and less polarised. In the severely polarised segment, we've got Argentina, Colombia, US, South Africa, Spain and Sweden. Whereas in the middle, we've got countries and and we look at the middle portion as countries who are in danger of polarisation. And that could be Brazil, France, UK, Japan, Italy, Germany. Closer to us in the less polarised quadrant is Malaysia, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, UAE, China, Indonesia and
0: India. Right. So you mentioned Malaysia as less po- in the less polarized category, but if you you know just rewind back to GE fifteen, um, since that moment until today, uh, political analysts, um, observers, um, academics, uh, the, the entire discourse has been about how polarized Malaysia is. Um, the election results um led to a hung parliament. We talk about pol- being polarized across racial and religious lines, and how that is intensifying. So why then does that not reflect in in your when your in your research? That's a that's a really
1: good question. Hmm. Uh, so in the way we capture polarization, we first ask people how divided they felt their countries were on certain issues. Right. Uh, and we'd like to uh, ensure that that is distinct from political ideologies. Uh, as people see more and more division in their countries, we sought to check whether they felt if those divisions are seen as more entrenched. Which means insurmountable, they can't be overcome, or uh, they are divisions, but they can be worked on. So we must understand when we look at uh, the trust barometer results, the Edelman trust barometer results. In Malaysia, that we are looking beyond political lines, uh, we are looking into societal issues. Uh, the questions that the study asked to measure were, were asked to measure divisions and polarization that may not be re- uh, related to political ideology, but what matters to me as an individual and an extension of that, us as a community. Right. It's actually really interesting to me that while our, our election results seem to be polarised, there seems to be a consensus among Malaysians about the issues that matter to us. Right. And I see this as a signpost for our institutions to take heed
0: of. Absolutely. I think that's a huge um, positive. Now, what are the consequences of deepening polarisation? It's a cause and also a
1: consequence. Right. Uh, and uh, we looked at polarisation is a cyclical problem mm-hmm. where it exists as both, like I said, a cause and consequence. And a lack of shared identity leads to a fear of differences. And that can lead to distrust and polarisation, which leads to further distrust distrust, and further intensification of differences. So really it's become it has the potential to become a, a vicious cycle. But
0: what are the forces that lead to polarisation? Perhaps you can list them down first, discuss how you arrived at them, and then we will dive deeper into each throughout the conversation. Right. So it's four
1: forces. Mm -hmm. We've bucketed them into four forces. One, economic anxieties. Uh, Economic optimism is collapsing around the world with 24 out of 28 countries seeing all-time lows in the number of people who think that their families will be better off in five years. Uh, Malaysia's economic optimism has fallen 20 points compared to the previous year. Uh, Across the 28 countries, we ranked 13 when asked if we believe that uh, you and your family will be better off in in five years. Second, institutional imbalance. Business as an institution is seen as both competent and ethical, which means you're under pressure as a business to step into the void or the perceived void left by the government. Uh, Mass class divide. Number Mm -hmm. three. People in the top uh, quartile of income live in a different trust reality than those in the bottom quartile, with a 20-point gap in Thailand, the United States, and Saudi Arabia. In Malaysia, there is an 11-point gap in trust between the low-income and high-income masses. So really, we are seeing, based on your income levels and your environment, there are two distinct trust realities within the same community. The last one is the battle for truth. In the age of disinformation... uh, A shared media environment, be it traditional or social, and the way we consume media has given rise to echo chambers, Mm -hmm. making it harder to collaboratively solve problems. Media is not trusted with especially low trust in social media institutions. What does this mean? This means that Institutions need to work together, businesses, your employers, the government, NGOs, to provide accurate, timely and more
0: importantly, unbiased information to their stakeholders. Let's um, dive into some of the details of your study because it's very, very fascinating. Now, your study found um, that only 35% of Malaysians believe that they and their families will be better off in five years. Now, this is represents a 20-point decline from 2022. 20, uh, what accounts for this? It boils down
1: to fear. Mm fear, a personal fear for myself, a personal fear for my family and anxiety that I will not be able to live in, uh, to thrive in the next 5 to 10 years. Uh, so, there isn't a single democracy with a percentage point above 35% that believe that livelihoods will be better in 5 years and that's alarming. So, that's a global phenomenon. Global. Right. And, uh, and in Malaysia, we sit at the 35% mark. Right. Um, and the, the economic anxiety is the collapse of economic optimism that happened after the the pandemic uh, on has has not only permeated on a global level but it has trickled down on an individual level uh, the globally people have been really affected by inflation Malaysia we just announced a rise in inflation uh, and there's been a dramatic collapse in optimism around around the world that's also been true for Malaysia mm. And we asked people how they felt about their economic prospects. Did they think that they they and their families would be better off? Responses to this question has been steady over the past few years. But the stunning 24 out of 28 surveyed are reporting all-time lows, including every developed market. In Malaysia, especially the rise of cost of living will continue to be an issue. Our expenses on health, housing, water, electricity, groceries has increased 4.4 times. Just this week, we saw the announcement that inflation has risen to 3.3 percent.
0: Absolutely, um, and and these are you know real serious concerns. With that in mind, um, Chris, how much does do Malaysians trust in the Institute of Government? So, over 50% of Malaysians uh, say that they trust government
1: as an institution. Um, Two years ago, we saw an increase in trust in government. Uh, Why? We can only hypothesise. This is a reflection of what Malaysians have told us. Mm -hmm. However, the handling of the pandemic um, compared to various markets around the world, uh, Malaysia seemed to have come out on top. There was even a point where we were at zero cases. So, that Taught us that Malaysians will reward action, not mm-hmm. just words. Malaysians reward, they will reward you with their trust. But we have to remember that trust is a currency. We do believe that trust is a currency that you can build, that you can earn. Reputation is what you've done until today. So how, that also means that you have to continually uh, work to building trust. And right. as soon as you lose the trust, it's a slippery slope. For example, the floods last year, NGOs were seen as much faster to uh, activate to help the the Malaysian public uh, versus the government. Mm -hmm. So we have seen a fluctuation in trust uh, for the government. That is not to say that Malaysians are not ready to trust government as an institution. They are ready. But uh, the government needs to collaborate with the other institutions to ensure that they show that they are willing to collaborate for a better future for the state call this
0: so the 2023 barometer is as you say is, you know it shows Malaysia as uh, less polarized than other countries um, but there's this term called hyper so the the uh, survey shows that um, there's been uh, a hyper of trust within communities what does hyper of trust mean so this means that You and I trust the people
1: and the organisations and the institutions that we have daily, day-to-day interactions with, be it my friend, my neighbour, my employer, my boss, my co-worker. So we are constantly looking, in a state of anxiety, we are constantly looking for individuals and institutions that we can lean
0: into during times of hardship. On the show with me today is Christopher D. Cruz. He's the Chief Operating Officer at Edelman, Malaysia and Edelman's Head of Crisis of Southeast Asia. After the break, we discuss why Malaysians trust businesses more than governments. Keep it here on Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Beyond the Ballot Box, I'm Darshan Johan and on the show with me today is Christopher D. Cruz He's the COO of Edelman Malaysia and Head of Crisis of Edelman Southeast Asia and we're unpacking the Edelman Trust Barometer 2023 So your survey highlights, like you said, over 50% of Malaysians trust government, which is quite average. I think it's fascinating that you mentioned democracies though, I think liberal electoral democracies specifically, because this same pattern of distrust towards government is seen even in countries like France and Sweden, both of which scored around the same as Malaysia. Whereas things appear different in countries like China, where trust appears to be at 80 plus percent, of course, there could be various factors there. Now, it's easy to see why um, there's a massive distrust towards government and politicians in general in Malaysia, um, especially since the past decade have been clouded with corruption scandals and political instability. However, here's where things get interesting. The survey highlights that Malaysians have reasonably high level of trust towards businesses – What could account for that, Chris, given that businesses and corporations are the ones, when you look at it from a global level, even in a Malaysian level, they are the ones involved in wage suppression, plundering the planet and causing the climate crisis to worsen. They are also the main contributors to rising rising costs of housing, healthcare and education. Very interesting question.
1: We have to understand that business as an institution is far-reaching. Yourself, you might have a relationship with a business as an employer. Uh, You might have a relationship with a business as a provider of a good or service uh, or telecommunications or technology. So we've got a multifaceted relationship with business. So we can't take Mm -hmm. business as just one institution, but when we dive deeper, on our day-to-day, we have different relationships with businesses. There is an opportunity, and we've seen it with uh, brands like Maybank and Microsoft who have provided platforms to help the communities that they operate in for upskilling, for the uh, promotion of SMEs. Uh, you know, there's Sama Local, and Microsoft has their own platform as well. So there is an opportunity for businesses to do good business while doing good. Uh, Another study that we do, uh, uh, Edelman has shown us that more and more over the last five years, consumers are willing to spend money with businesses and brands that have the same values as they do. So it's almost a dichotomy. Yes, businesses is the cause of many of the issues surrounding the uh, the the environment that we live in but they are also uniquely positioned to take action and galvanize community galvanize governments to work together to a better future and that's what our data tells us it's not we trust businesses with our with with our entire heart but it shows us that we
0: trust in the power of business to effect change right i think that's very interesting so on that same note Malaysia um, <clears throat> militia is ranked Eighth among nations with high trust towards their employer, right? Um, among the people surveyed, I think they're ranked eighth. Why so? Why do Malaysians trust employers so much? So, we looked at that as Malaysians
1: identifying to the market that this is our expectation of businesses. We did speak about how we have different relationships with the institution of business. And what Malaysians are uh, are showing us through this data is I expect my employer to take care of me, to take care of my fears, automation, AI. How are you as an employer helping me future-proof myself for the future to ensure that I don't lose my job? And And there's this really nice, interesting combination of existential fears, climate change to nuclear war, padded onto personal fears, fears about my future, fears about my job, fears about whether I can provide for my family. So who is best positioned to help me do that? My employer, which means this is a signal to employers in Malaysia and across the globe. The expectation of trust is there. The question now is, what do you
0: do with this expectation of trust? So is it an expect, just to clarify, is it an expectation of trust that they expect employers to do this, um, whether they do it or not is another question, or they do they trust that their employers will do this? I'm genuinely curious if this also points to a lack of class consciousness among the people Or are Malaysian businesses just the creme de la creme when it comes to, you know, taking care of their employees? Because I think it's worth noting that when you look at countries like France and Sweden, and and you know, these are countries with high levels of class consciousness comparatively, um, their trust in businesses are as low as their trust in government. But even in Singapore, Singapore, their trust in businesses are also lower lower than government. It's the same when we look at trust towards employers. Malaysians trust their employers way more than the Canadians, French, the Spaniards, etc. I mean, Malaysia is ranked eighth among nations with high trust towards employers. So what accounts for this trust towards employers by Malaysians?
1: Okay, so good question. Good, great question. The the expectation of trust, uh, and if we take a step back and look at who is uniquely positioned to help me Hmm. when I'm in a time of need? The government can only help me so much. The next point of a part of call would be businesses. So the the expectation is, and and the, the clarion call to businesses and government is: you need to work together on policies. You need to our our minimum wage is one such example of how the public and private sector need to work together, put their differences aside, stop being divisive platforms, and put environments in place that can help, that make small changes, incremental changes. We need, we, yes, we, we do need a systemic change, but that can only be achieved by small steps.
0: But I'm wondering what has led to this, because it, has, it feels inherently contradictory, since the very nature of business, especially under our current economic model, is to prioritise maximising profits. So, how does that account for the trust towards these businesses to drive social movements so the way we we look at the results
1: funny funnily enough mm. does not have to be contradictory. Mm. Uh, we are looking at I, and I will repeat what I said earlier mm. about there is a way for businesses to do good businesses to do good business while doing good uh, the nature of business in maximizing profit still can be a unifying force. Uh, we've seen many businesses because of that um, being able to weather the pandemic, allowing Malaysians uh, and people worldwide to keep to keep their jobs. Uh, and over the pandemic, in that aspect from a perception standpoint, the people might have perceived businesses to have done more in, in protection of the people's livelihood and economic status than other institutions. Yes, I agree. Uh, A fundamental systemic change is also important. Uh, But in a climate where more specific, more smaller immediate steps need to be taken first so that the accumulated results will ultimately lead us to a larger fundamental systemic change that we
0: seek. I think we are... Um, you know, heading towards a a stage where people need to come together and and work on these issues that you have talked about, right? So how do you envision a future where businesses, government institutions and the media work together to create a society that prioritises the well-being and empowerment of all individuals rather than the interest of a privileged few? It comes down to one thing. Mm -hmm. The results have
1: pointed us to one thing, care. You need to care for the people that you are responsible for. You need to collaborate. The the We are anxious as a people. We are fearful of our futures. Show that you care and follow that up with action. Um, so collaboration is the best way to go from, from here. Right. And the issues prevalent in Malaysia and on a global scale, and I'm sure you will agree, are uh, more than the responsibility of just one institution. It needs to be a collaboration. And the best results come when all core institutions work together, not independently. So you've got to build a consensus, collaborate on policies and standards to deliver results that push us towards a more just, secure and thriving an equitable society. Uh, When we asked Malaysians, they were clear that this isn't a a one-person job. Malaysians believe that optimal results were three times more likely if businesses and the government were to work in partnership
0: as compared to if they worked alone. Right, right. I think that's the very important point there, right? Collaboration is absolutely key, especially when you want to tackle... Big, you know, global problems. You're talking about climate crisis another concern brought up um, in your studies that people are worried about nuclear war and things like that. So I, I think collaboration is absolutely necessary. Now, Chris, given the decline in trust in government and the media, how do you think businesses can regain the public's trust and avoid being perceived as complicit in perpetuating the existing capitalist system?
1: So... Businesses in Malaysia Have the public trust Mm
0: -hmm. Right
1: now we do Uh, But this trust Must not be taken For granted Mm. Despite the decrease In trust year on year Businesses Is still trusted So it is More about Keeping it from Dropping further And work on Increasing that trust You must Continue to lead You must Hold the mantle Of greater expectation And responsibility Malaysians have been clear We expect you Mr. CEO Mr. Business owner To be responsible For for my future, to work together with governments. Um, so, businesses should leverage their comparative advantage to inform debate and deliver solutions across, across climate diversity and inclusion, reskilling, training for, for the people that, that work for
0: them. Absolutely. And on the flip side, um, as governments are losing trust um, among the people, especially when compared to businesses, right, in the Malaysian context, how can governments then regain um, the people's trust as opposed to seen as either incompetent or corrupt collaborators with the business class? So, how can governments regain our trust? The
1: results show us, and from our conversations mm-hmm. within various stakeholder sets, that the biggest outcome that we are expecting is for the restoration of the economy for the survival and prosperity of all of us and our families uh, so the government should focus their efforts on improving economic optimism for the people invest in fair compensation training uh, with the local communities to address the the mass class divide head on and this hopefully will help curb the, the creeping polarisation as
0: experienced by other countries. Right. We've been unpacking the 2023 Adamant Trust Barometer. So before we wrap this conversation up, could you, um, have, would you have some final thoughts or a final message for us?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so to borrow a phrase from philosophical entertainer Alan Watts, trust is the bridge between the known and the unknown. And I think our results help shine a light and make the unknown a bit clearer. Uh, our data helps uh, provide an actionable way for our core institutions. Remember, yeah, we are not doing badly, but our institutions need to collaborate to double down on what's working, what's bringing us together, our commonalities, and consciously move away from divisive platforms. We have to show our communities that we care as an institution and follow that up with, with action. Trust gives organizations a better understanding of current realities and has the ability to bring about real impact if taken seriously, and the significance is understood fully by its leaders. Sincerity and action will be key, or our institutions may fall into the trap of virtue signaling. The the Edelman Trust Barometer should not only be about how brands can navigate a polarized world, but also be a signboard of what needs fixing, what needs work, and how brands and institutions can be figureheads to progress to fix the issues that our nation is, is facing. In a nutshell, synergy, leadership, collaboration, vision, and advocacy.
0: Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Rasha. That was Christopher D. Cruz, COO of Edelman, Malaysia and Head of Crisis Edelman, Southeast Asia. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever we get your podcasts from. Um, you just have to look up Beyond the Ballot Box podcast. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast